Boom. My name is Mike Park, and um, I bring greetings from your church family at Hope Church NYC. And I told you all that I have a secret, and I'm telling you this week that the secret is out. Next Step Community Church is my favorite place to preach anywhere in the world, and that is real. Um, this morning, I, I want to ask you a question as we get started. What are you expecting from God? What are you expecting from God? On this morning, March 3rd, 2024, what are you expecting from God? And here's a follow-up question for us to ponder and consider today. What could God do to exceed your expectations? What could God do to exceed your expectations? Or maybe, what has God already done that could exceed your expectations? Every year, my wife, because again, she is the the spiritual rock of our family in so many ways, um, we choose a verse together that she'll write on a little chalkboard in our bathroom so that me and my wife and my kids, every time we go in there and we wash our hands and we look to our left, we see that scripture verse and it anchors us throughout the year. And the scripture verse that we chose for this year is, is Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who can do much more than we could ask or imagine, according to the power that is within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or even imagine. If that were true for us today, what could be possible? Well, we're going to look at a message today that I'm entirely more than fair. And we're looking at Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. This is a parable of Jesus. Let me read that for us. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. I'm going to pause for a moment. So a denarius in that time was a full day's wage for the average worker. So when we read denarius, we can think for ourselves in our time about $100. Okay. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came, came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made us, have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. 
didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is a reading of God's Word. Now, Jesus would often tell these stories to relate to people in their ordinary lives, to tell them, to give them pictures about the kingdom of God. But they weren't necessarily to relate to their, their normal lives. But actually, it was due to do something different. It was meant to disrupt their normal lives, subvert their normal lives, challenge what you think you know about God and about yourself and about the world. And so the way that Jesus talks about the kingdom may be familiar to us who've heard it before. The first will be last, and the last will be first. We've heard that. But if you think about it, it doesn't always make sense to us. It doesn't always sound right. Uh, in my family, and, and, and I told you I have, I have two little girls, um, fairness is a big topic of conversation. If you got little ones, you know what I mean. Okay. My five-year-old will scream all day long. She'll, where are my socks? And I'm like, big girl, they're on your feet. Where's my jacket? It's right, it's right next to you. I, they, she can't find a thing. But I'll tell you what, when it's snack time, she knows exactly how much is in her bowl and her sister's bowl. Daddy, whoa. Why Big Sis has eight and I only have six? How did you have time to count? I just put it on the, the table. <laughs> or when it's uh, time to pick songs because they love to listen to songs. This girl, five years old, she's like a prodigy. She's like, Daddy, Big Sis, only, she only listened to, she got to listen to three minutes and 45 seconds. I don't listen to two minutes and there's I'm a kid, but that's how it goes. Because she's very much about like, what is fair? Am I getting what I deserve? And we know that what that looks like for us. We know that it looks like in our job, in relationships, even in the church, even in my relationship with God. Am I getting what I deserve? Am I getting what's fair? And we also are familiar with the fact, if, again, if you have some years, that there's a lot of times that life isn't fair. I mean, is there anyone here who is the, the one in your family that does like all the work? Like you are the child, you are the oldest maybe, or maybe you're one of the younger ones, and, and you take care of the whole family. You bury all the burden. And your parents somehow have the audacity to love all the kids the same. Or in your job, you are the ones that picks up slack for everybody else. But you don't get the credit. You don't get paid anymore. That doesn't seem fair. Because shouldn't we reward hard work? Shouldn't we reward those who show up early in the morning and work hard and responsibly, faithfully through the whole day? But we know that doesn't always work out, that, the life, that life doesn't always feel like it's set up to be fair. Um, I grew up in an immigrant family, first generation. Um, I came when I was five years old. My parents are um, you know, very much immigrants and... and 
when you come from an immigrant, it feels like a lot of times that the world is not set up for you to be fair to you. And, you know, language is always an issue. Work, it was always an issue. I remember my dad telling me a story. He went to Home Depot and he was buying some tools and supplies for work. And there was another gentleman that was about his age who was also um, Korean American, I'm Korean American. And, and he came up to them and he said, hey, um, can you help me? Because he realized that my dad could understand him. My dad said, okay, well, tell me what's going on. He said, well, I bought this very expensive tool for my business, but I realized it's the wrong tool. My dad said, okay, we'll take it to the counter and just return it. And he said, I tried to, but they can't understand me there because of the language barrier. I tried to explain to somebody and I tried to explain to a couple different people, but they didn't get it. So they didn't let me return it. Can you help me? And my dad said, hey, my English is not that good either. I don't know if I can really help you here. And my dad tells me the story that this gentleman says to him, well, I guess I'll just have to go buy another one. It is what it is. Sometimes it doesn't feel fair. You work twice as hard to get less than the same result. So we, so, so we I think, think to ourselves and we surmise, well, okay, that's the way it is in the world. Shouldn't God operate differently? If that's the way the world is, shouldn't the kingdom of God be different? Shouldn't we count on God to be fair? Shouldn't we count on the economy of God to also be fair? But what we read from this parable is actually that that's not the case. That the kingdom of God does not even work that way at all. But maybe he works in a different way, a way that is not just fair, but more than fair, which is what we're going to look at. So what's the situation? Okay, what's the situation? There's an owner of a vineyard who goes out early in the morning to find workers. A common story and a common practice in that time and even in our time. This owner of this piece of land comes out and there are day workers who line up very early in the morning to find work for the day. Each hoping that they would be able to make enough money on that day to go home to provide for their families. So the stakes are high. If I work, I provide for my family. And there may even be a situation, if I work, we eat. If I don't work, maybe we don't. And at the beginning of the day, the worker, the owner goes out at, let's say, 6 a.m. To this, to this area, and he chooses for himself the people who will work for him that day, and he says to them, I will give you a full day's wage. And it's a great day for those who are chosen. Imagine lining up and you don't know whether you're going to get chosen or the person next to you is going to get chosen. You don't know if you're going to go home with money or if they're going to go home with money. And you get chosen. It's a great day for you. You're going to work that day. You're going to make money that day. Something curious happens. At 9 a.m., the owner goes out to the same place again. He finds other people who have not been hired for the day. And he, say, and he hires them too. And he says to them, come work for me and I will pay you what is right. Now that's an interesting word, that word right, because in the original language, that word is dikaios. And that word dikaios actually means righteous or godly. 
What he's saying is, come and work for me and I will give you what is right in God's eyes. So these workers who had been waiting for about three hours, it's a great day for them too. Now the owner, he does the same thing three hours later. Goes back at noon, does the same thing. Goes back at 3 p.m., three hours later, does the same thing. And now, right before quitting time, at 5 p.m., he goes out and find, does the same thing. He goes out and finds the ones who have been not working all day, but waiting all day. And he says to them, why are you still here? And they said, because no one's hired us. Now, you got to imagine being a worker who had just been waiting. Maybe 11 hours out in that field. Just thinking to himself, probably, I got to go home. I got to tell my family I didn't make money today. I got to tell my family that we're, we're not maybe even going to have enough for us today. They're just waiting. And the surprise and the good news of this owner who shows up, who they've seen. Now remember, they saw this owner come at 6, come at 9, come at noon, come at three, and they still weren't chosen. They were the last ones left. So at 5 p.m., he finally comes and he says, okay, now you come and work for me. The joy of that moment for them. Now here's, uh, there's so much about this, again, that, that doesn't make sense, okay? Um, because... At the very least, this owner is a terrible business person. Because either he doesn't know how to manage his workforce or he just likes wasting his money. Because economically or strategically, what's the smart thing to do? Hire everyone at the beginning. Have them come, get the most amount of work out of them, and then pay them all the same wage. That'd be the smart thing to do. But what's strange, though, is that that's not the goal of the owner. The owner isn't looking for more workers to turn a greater profit for his property. The owner is looking for more people that he can send into his vineyard to pay them. He's looking for more families who need to be provided for. He's looking for another opportunity to go out to that marketplace and see who else needs a daily wage. He keeps going back time and time again because he's looking for more people to be generous to. And that is how the kingdom of God works. The relentless search for more and more people to be generous to, to be gracious to. We are in the season of Lent the journey to the cross. And the message of this season is that the God of heaven and earth who created all and is in all sent His Son, became flesh Himself to seek each one of us out time and time again to be gracious to us, to be generous to us, to forgive us, to love us. 
Oh, there's nowhere you can go where, you, where God can't find you. Amen? There's no one that, that it's too late for them for God's grace to find you. Amen? It's never too late. You're never too far. Now, okay, but what's the... Com we know that... So that's how the kingdom of God... What's the complication in this story? At the end of the day, it's time for everyone to get paid. And so the owner directs the foreman to say, hey, pay the ones who came last at 5 p.m. Pay them first. Now, these guys have been working an hour. So they could not have expected to pay that much. Okay? So, so for them, think about it. Any amount of money, even for an hour's worth of work, was going to be a blessing. I spent 11 hours out there thinking I wasn't going to get nothing. You came and got me, and guess what? Any little bit you give me, I'm going to appreciate but to the surprise of them, the surprise of the parable, and really the uncomfortable moment of the parable is that these last workers were given $100, a full day's wage. Now that was way more than they deserved and probably nowhere near what they thought they could have hoped for. Now here's what happens. Every other worker is hyped. Because they're thinking, man, those guys got $100 for one hour of work. I've been here 12 hours. Oh, we're going to get paid today. We hit the jackpot. Not only is this guy rich, but he's kind of dumb. We're going to get it. Well, I mean, we should expect 12 denarius, right? That math works out. Or three denarius, or six denarius, or nine denarius. Whatever it is, however long you work, you should expect to get that much. But we know, we know what happens next. Every other worker who worked all day gets one denarius. And they are upset. They're not rich. They didn't hit the jackpot. They're insulted. Wait, you made us the same as them? And they grumble. And they complain. And if you put yourself in that shoes, in, 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 in that scenario, um, we know what that feels like. Because here's what I know about me. I'm, not, I'm just speaking for me. I don't know about you. I love getting more than I deserve. I hate getting less than I expect. I hate getting less than I expect. And I don't care if that's in my job or at the drive-thru from my fries. Like, you better give me what I expect. <laughs> now, pause for a moment. Because what we notice about parables, these stories, they were told by Jesus for a reason to an audience. Again, to challenge, to subvert to disrupt their expectation. And the audience in this case was the disciples. Okay? Peter asked this question to Jesus just a chapter before this. Peter asked Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will, be there, will there be for us? We've left everything to follow you. 
what, there, what, what will there be for us? And Jesus says the twelve can expect to sit on twelve thrones in the world to come. It's a great answer. Now, but here's what happens. After the parable, the mother of John and James, two other disciples, asks Jesus if her sons can sit at his right hand and left hand. Hey, I know we're going to get, I know my boys are going to get 12 thrones. Can they get the closer ones to you? Because again, thinking, don't they deserve more? Barbara Brown Taylor, she puts it this way, Jesus' throne will not be made of gold and jewels, but of wood and nails in the shape of a cross. The reward of Jesus is not a throne that is gold and jewels. It is wood and nails in the shape of a cross. Jesus is our reward. What he's done for us is our reward. And it's difficult here because... We think we deserve more. We've done more. We've been more faithful. God, what would be fair? Now, the, they, they grumble to the owner. And what's interesting about that word grumble is that it's the same word. You remember when the Israelites were in the, in the desert back in Exodus? They had just been saved from 430 years of slavery. They crossed the Red Sea. It was a miracle, all that. And they get into the desert and they start grumbling against God. Because, hey, where's the food? Where's the riches? Where's the land? Time and time again, they, they, there was uh, this lack of trust in God. And that word for grumble is the same word we see in this parable. These workers who had been there earlier in the day who were complaining, they, they grumbled against the landowner. So why have you made us the same as them? Why did you pay us the same as them? And this is what the owner says, friend, calls him friend. Didn't I give you exactly what I promised you at the beginning of the day? I didn't give you any less. In the kingdom of God, my friends, God always gives us exactly what he promises us and never any less. Doesn't God always give us what he promises? Yes. And never any less. No one ever gets less than what they deserve. Because when we come to Jesus, and, and, and again, if you're wrestling with what that means, the good news is that when we come to Jesus, he says, hey, you've done nothing to earn this. You've done nothing to deserve this. All the, the rights that you do don't make you right with God. All the wrongs that with you do don't disqualify you from God because the grace of God is for everyone. So when you step into God, you are, now not, you are now an adopted child, a son and a daughter of God because of the grace of Jesus. That was the promise. That is the promise. And we never get less than that. We never get less than that. Because again, the kingdom of God, the owner in this sense, his whole point was, I'm looking for more and poor people to be generous to. I'm looking for more and more people to be generous to. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not caring about fairness. I'm caring about generosity. I'm caring about grace. 
I'm caring about people who can receive my promise and get exceedingly and abundantly more than they ever thought they deserved. And that's the imitation. Now, here's the problem. We don't always get it. We don't always get it. And I will say for a moment, I'm going to pause and say that the scheme of the enemy is to convince us a couple of things. First is that God is not good and God is not great. We sung about it this morning, the greatness of God. And think about how easily we forget how easily the circumstances of our lives might rob us of that truth that God is good and God is great. The second is that we, we, we deserve more than we are getting. We deserve more than we are getting. And again, I don't know your circumstances. There may be some pain, there may be some, some tragedy, some injustice that might be going on, and, and I'm telling you right now that, that I, don't, I don't say that anyone deserves that. When it comes to the kingdom of God, know this, that you don't get any less grace. You don't any, get any less of God's love. You don't get any less of his provision. You don't get any less of his forgiveness because of where you are. He gives you what more than we deserve. And the last one is that we are worth less or we are worth more than someone else. That's a lie. None of us are worth less and none of us are worth any more. So here's the challenge for us. How do we see ourselves? How do we see the world? And how do we see God? What is the disruption for us in that? Because if we get disrupted and we say, huh, maybe God is way more generous than I could ever think or imagine. Maybe what God's up to right now is about generosity. Not about fairness. Not even about, you know, in some ways we think about, oh, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell on myself a bit. Like, I, you know, I, I, I drive from time to time in the city and driving in the city tests my, uh, my, my discipleship all the time. Okay. And... And there are some, there are some moments where, where someone does something that I'm like, why did you do that? And they, they cut me off or they do something. And I'm like, and, and, and for me, I was like, oh, man. There, in, my, in my worst moments, I might say, man, I hope something happens to you. Am I the only one? I'm sorry. I'm confessing right now. I'm gonna, and because I was like, man, you deserve something. You drive like that, you deserve getting an accident. Because in my mind, I think about what that person might deserve. And I think about, huh, in that moment, what if I could instead say, not what they think they deserve, but like, what, it, how could God be generous to that person? How could God be generous to that person? Just like he has been for me. There are plenty of times when I've made mistakes on the road, and by God's grace, I did not get into an accident. There are plenty of moments where I was like, man, I should not have made out of that one alive but I did by God's grace. Man, I, I, I wish the, the, the same for that person. Because what happens is that when we start to see ourselves not as the ones who didn't get what they expected or wanted, but the ones that every single moment, I'm getting way more than I could ever deserve. 
I'm getting way more than I thought I, I, if I just take a step back and not look at everyone else. Because what I realize is that comparison kills joy. Comparison kills joy. When we start looking to the left and to the right, what did this person get? What did they get? What did I not get? It kills our joy. Because if I just look at me, oh, I realize that, man, I'm getting way more than I thought. The second challenge of the parable is this, is that we not only start thinking like the workers, we start thinking like the owner. What if, instead of just thinking like the workers, even the ones who are grateful, the ones who um, are, are really appreciative and joyous, we start thinking like the owner. And when we start doing that, what could be possible? When we start thinking about, who could I be generous to next? How many ways can I go, go through the world and think about being generous to people, by being gracious to people? And when you do that in whatever position you're in, you start thinking differently. You start seeing the world differently. Well, one of my first jobs that I had when I was in school was at a restaurant. And it was, it was a large restaurant. We had about, you know, on any given night, 30, 40 employees, different, different waiters and servers in the restaurant. And I remember, um, you know, on a Friday night, you would have a big table, you go through your tables, and everyone, you know, we'd all do the same thing. We, we um, We'd get the check, we'd come back, come back, everyone would like, you know, do their things, and it was like, yo, how much do they tip you? How much do they tip you? And then if someone tipped you well, say, oh man, yes. If someone like under tipped you, we'd all complain and, you know, gripe and what. There was one young woman though, there was one coworker that I had that never did that. And I remember one night we were working um, side by side next to each other in, in, in different sections and, and we sat and, and she had a very large table. I was like, man, you are definitely going to get a big tip from that one. And we came back and she, um, she opened it up and, and it was something like from like a two to $300 bill, they gave her like $5, like barely anything. Now, again, everyone else would have been just complaining and, and screaming and cursing. But she says this, she's like, that's okay. And I told her, I was like, Bethany, how could you not be upset? I mean, her name was Bethany. I should have gotten the clue there, right? She said, well, you know what? Man, you know, this, this restaurant isn't cheap. A meal like that for a family, that, that's maybe, that, maybe they, they, were, they were saving up to come to this restaurant. Maybe they were saving up to be able to pay for this meal. Maybe it's a special occasion for them, and they had just enough to pay for their bill and then give me $5. Maybe that, was, maybe that was what they had and it was just enough. And if that was just enough for them, maybe giving, them extra, an extra, giving me an extra $5 as a tip was actually above and beyond what they thought they could do. And it wasn't long before I realized that Bethany was a Christian. <laughs> that she thought differently. She saw the world differently. She saw her job differently. She saw her customers who were seated at her table differently. She wasn't thinking like a worker. She was thinking like the owner. In this sense, she was thinking, okay, what would, like, what would God's eyes be in this place? Because what the owner said is, I will give you what is right in God's eyes. What if the, what, what if the same could be true for us? 
that, that when we think about how we operate in our families, in our workplaces, in our church relationships, when we walk down the street and interact with people, that we don't think about what is fair in our eyes, but we think about what is right in God's eyes. What, what could that shift for us? And all of a sudden, we see God doing much more than we could ever expect or imagine. All of a sudden, we find little ways because we get curious about what God is doing. We find little ways where His grace is showing up. We find little ways where we can show up for people and be love and grace for them. He's more than fair. He is gracious. He is loving.